0: So this morning we're going to be looking at Proverbs, and um, as we do, uh, we're going to look specifically at finding life in God's wisdom, finding life in God's wisdom. So I really want to look specifically at these scriptures here. Blessed is the man that heareth me, of course I took it from King James, watching daily at my gates, Waiting at the posts of my doors, for whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. So, we're going to look at God's wisdom and we're going to take a closer look at some of the scriptures that are in Proverbs 8 and, and kind of pick those apart. But this morning, first we're going to look at finding life in God's wisdom by, number one, how God created wisdom. Number two, blessed is the one who listens to wisdom, the one who listens to God. And number three, finding Christ, finding wisdom. So the first thing that we really want to look at is the fact that God created wisdom. Wisdom did not exist on its own. God is the one who created it. And if we look at uh, verse 22 of Proverbs 8 in particular, in the ESV it says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. But in the King James, it says it differently. In the King James, it says, the Lord created me, Before he began his works. So when we look at the scripture and we pick apart the texts, what the scripture is actually saying is that the first thing that God did was create up a system of how things work. This system of how things work is what we're going to be looking at in extreme detail. And I want us to really pay attention as we go through the scriptures because if we really want to understand life, what we're really going to do is get a good grasp of God's wisdom and how it works. So before we get too far, let's pray. Father Almighty, uh, Lord, we're going to be looking at your scriptures, and uh, Lord, we just uh, want to glorify you and the things that we learn. And so, Lord, we lift you up on high. May your spirit speak to us and bring enlightenment of the text that we're about to look at so that we can increase our understanding and glorify you through more things in life. And so, Lord, as we gain an understanding of what it means to be faithful and to walk in your ways, in your wisdom, uh, Lord, we just pray that you would open our hearts um, to a greater understanding of who you are. Uh, that we may live for you that much more. Thank you so much for the goodness of your son and his great sacrifice and the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. So as we look at how um, God created his economy, the first thing he did was set up wisdom. And in doing that, the scriptures from 22 through 31 essentially point in Proverbs 8, they essentially point to how God instituted this wisdom at the beginning, and how everything flows from it. And that's why wisdom says the things that she does with accordance to how we live. God says that if we do not follow his wisdom, that wisdom will truly laugh at us. Wisdom will make fun of us, because what we have here is the way things work by the way God created them. And the natural temptation of man is to do things how we were raised. How we were brought up, and oftentimes that's based in tradition and a lack of God. Oftentimes we're sent to school and we're told how things work and we learn science and we learn all these things about how, quote unquote, the world works. But oftentimes... Most often, this book is not brought in to play. And so if we're going to look at it, the first thing that we need to understand is that God created this wisdom for his will, for his purposes, and for his glory. So that when we walk in that wisdom, God is naturally glorified. Goodness happens when God is glorified. And so what we really need to pay attention to is how this wisdom works. But before we understand how the wisdom works, we must understand that there is this wisdom in place. Because oftentimes people live in such a way that, okay, here's God's wisdom. But they believe that they can function independently of it. And that's where we get in trouble. If we're truly going to look at the scriptures, the scripture in eight. 34 through 36, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life. So let's talk about this this wisdom a little bit, because it is most important that we listen to wisdom. So when wisdom says something, we lean on that understanding. So Proverbs 3, if we go back a few pages to Proverbs 3, and we look at verse 5 in Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, and fear the Lord. So what these scriptures are telling us is that as humans, we have a tendency to lean on the things of our own experiences. And then when God tells us something, oftentimes as people, we start to try and reconcile that with things that have happened in our lives. A good one to come to is God's understanding and his wisdom says, forgive those that have hurt you. But our own carnal nature, our own humanity, our own flesh wants to lash out, wants to get even. Because we think that will make us feel better. That when we level the playing field and we get back at people, that somehow internally we're going to feel better. But that's not how God says it works. God says to forgive and don't let that root of bitterness develop inside of you. The world says, get back. So when we lean on our own understanding, the first thing we want to do is lash out back at people. But if we lean on God's understanding, we say, no, we're going to forgive and let God deal with it. And that's hard to do. That's a a process. That's not something where somebody just flips a switch. Because there's going to be times in your life when you're driving to work or in the workplace or doing something at home. Where your past, your history comes back up. And then you have to fight these feelings again. You have to fight against that hurt. And you have to fight against the things that have happened in your life. And not let that bitterness rise up. So it's a process. So it's not just a switch where something happens. As these feelings come up. What do we have to do? Well, we have to do what Scripture says and lean on God's understanding and then go through that whole process of, okay, I know I was hurt, God, but I'm trusting in you and I'm leaning on you in your ways. And I'm leaning on your wisdom to deal with this. Because I know if I do it, I'm going to mess up the situation. I'm going to make it worse. And so we lean on God's understanding. So when we listen to God and his wisdom, then we experience the blessings. But the problem with a lot of Christians is we simply acknowledge the text and then we don't live in it. We know what the scripture says. We've learned it. But now we got to do it. And that's the hard part. Because we've all been hurt by somebody and have had to come up with the power to trust into God and to do that forgiveness. And that's hard to do. And I know as we sit here in this room, some of us have been hurt really bad. You know, and that's what people do unfortunately to each other. We hurt each other. And oftentimes it's intentional, and sometimes it's not intentional. But whether it was intentional or not, that hurt is still there. And we know that God will will heal our hurts. And we, we need to trust in that. Psalm 147. The, the psalm is about God healing the brokenhearted. So if, you, if you have pain, people are causing you pain as you're trying to do good. In, in verse one forty seven three, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. So as you trust in God for that forgiveness, coming back to this example, we know that he's going to heal us. That he's going to give us our due based on his goodness. So getting back to the wisdom, blessed is the one who listens to wisdom. In speaking generally, when we look at wisdom, what we're really looking at is how God does things. How does God work? How does his kingdom work? And so this wisdom is how we should look and operate our lives. This is how we should walk with God. One of the greatest examples, if if we look at scripture, is King Solomon. The Lord came to King Solomon in a dream and asked King Solomon, I am going to give you one wish. Anything you desire, I will give to you. And what did King Solomon ask for? God's wisdom. And because God was pleased with his response and the fact that Solomon asked for wisdom, God blessed him not only with wisdom, but all the other things that he didn't ask for. He said, you could have asked for gold, but you didn't. You asked for wisdom. So I will give you all the gold that you didn't ask for. And we know that King Solomon was the richest man who ever walked. And if we were to equate his wealth today, he would be far wealthier than anybody we know on the Forbes list. He had so much money. It was insane. People from other kingdoms would bring him gifts. Just to hear his wisdom. So when we walk in God's wisdom, God is truly pleased. So the second thing we need to do after understanding that God created this wisdom, and that's his economy, is that we need to listen to it. And that's very important. So when we're in scripture and we're reading, we need to be looking for avenues in which to apply it. God's truth to our lives. We read something. Don't just internalize it. Start praying and looking for opportunities to actually apply those truths. Ask for God to open those doors so you can walk in those scriptures. And when you do, God is absolutely glorified. So, I really want to um, point to the fact that this, this last part of the scripture, the one who listens to God. The last song that we sang during praise and worship was the voice of truth. Jesus is that voice of truth. When you listen to Jesus, you are listening to God and you are listening to God's wisdom. And how do we know that we are to listen to Jesus? Well, we know that he is God, but... The Father tells us to. Let's look at Luke 9.35. Here Jesus is um, transfigured. He is glorified. He is put into his glorified state. And when he is put into his glorified state, Moses and Elijah appear. And as Moses and Elijah appear, the Father speaks. And it says, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So we have a commandment from the father to listen to the son. So when it comes to God's wisdom, the way we can look at Jesus is Jesus is the 100% true manifestation of God in the flesh. But he is also a walking and living example Of God's wisdom he is God's wisdom personified and so when you see Jesus doing the things that he does it is actually God's wisdom in action that's how God expects his wisdom to play out the way that Jesus did and that's why Apostles like John and Paul write that imitate me as I imitate Christ Or as 1 John says, as children, we should walk as Jesus walked. So when we walk in that, we actually walk in God's wisdom. Now, there is a temptation in humanity to just kind of open up the scriptures and just start reading the Bible. And the temptation is that if you read the Bible, just like any other book, you can understand it. Well, we teach here, and so does Scripture, that Scripture is is spiritual. And so it gives spiritual meaning to those who are spiritual. It tells us that in Scripture. So the very thing that we need to do if we really want to understand God's wisdom, you need to come to the source. You need to walk through that door in which wisdom manifests itself. Well, that door is Jesus Christ. When we find Jesus, we find wisdom. The first thing that God asks us to do is to believe in Jesus. Listen to him. Repent and then be baptized. Walk in these statutes. Walk in this wisdom, right? Well, that wisdom doesn't even become enlightenment to us or even have meaning to us until we really find Christ. As Christians, we truly find Christ when we come to the end of our rope, and we realize that we have sin in us and that we do bad things and that we truly do need Jesus and that without Jesus, we're lost. So the scripture says in Proverbs, it says at the end, it says, for whoever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. And the death that the scriptures are speaking of is just not dying in the flesh, coming to the end of our life here on earth. But the death that it's referring to is an eternal death, being dead forever. And so when it refers to life, it's contrary to that. It's eternal life. So that when we really find Jesus and we find the wisdom, the the economy that God has created, what is it saying? Well, if you want to go to heaven, you need Jesus. You need to come to a point where you start living for Jesus and you denounce sin. One of the things that struck me this this week is that Not only does God um, require that we denounce sin, but it also requires that we renounce everything except for Jesus. I was looking at the scriptures in, in light of what it means to be a Christian. And it doesn't mean that we necessarily give up everything. But what it is saying is that we start to live a life where nothing else really matters other than Jesus. Obviously, we're not talking in the way of people, because we do love people. But we come to a point where we really have very little value for material things. That we realize that that's just a tool of temporary, and that we shouldn't build our lives on materialism. We should learn to build our lives and seek the worth and value that God has for us. Because the world really wants us to chase after things that we can hold in touch. All that is, that's just something to get us off our path and our road to Jesus. When we stay on track and we focus on Jesus, Scripture tells us that naturally, by God's power and His ways, that when we focus on God, the things of the world will grow. Increasingly less important. And that we'll start to seek more value, get more satisfaction with our relationship with God. And as our relationship with God grows, something else happens. Our relationship with each other also starts to grow. And we see more value in the person than the things that that person does. Because the natural temptation, and I'll use this example. Is, is to ask somebody, like when they're getting married, why do you love this person? And one of the biggest traps is, is the response is, well, I love this person because they do this, they do this, and they do this. That's a trap. Because oftentimes when you say they do these things, what you really like is what they do for you. I like the way she makes me feel. Well, that's all about you. When you love somebody, you pour into them completely independent of what you get back. Because if we look at the picture of love of Jesus on the cross, he gave his entire life to a bunch of people who were sitting in front of him who could give nothing to him and, in fact, wanted him killed. He loved them so much he was willing to overlook their hate and their anger and their doubt and their idolatry and their disregard for God and his son. And he was willing to do these things. So when we look at God's wisdom, we find Christ. And when we find Christ, what we really find is a completely different way to live. We put Christ first. We live for Christ we now live according to his statutes and his rules. That's God's wisdom. God says, don't do this, don't do that. And what is it really saying? It's kind of like going down the highway when the highway says, the speed limit's 55. Why is the speed limit 55? Because when you start going 85 or 95, you put your life and others at risk. So there's these rules. Well, God has the same rules, and when we live by them, we must really understand this scripture. The scripture says, But he, whoever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor. And obtains favor. And that first taste of favor is eternal life. But we know from Scripture that there is so much more to offer. That God does all kinds of things in our life to bless us. But it's really important that we look at the cross of Jesus Christ and understand what he did through his great sacrifice. But why did he do those things? Well, each one of us here has sinned greatly. Each one of us here has done incredibly bad things. We've all at one point have been an enemy of God and we've done things that have been contrary to God. It's just who we are as people. Scripture says that. But when we come to a relationship and understand what Jesus did on that cross, we start to see life completely different. Because the Spirit comes into us, He quickens us, He makes us alive in God. And we now start to see things. We start to see them. As we wind up, there's a couple of scriptures that I want us to look at. First, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that nobody comes to the Father except for Him. It's very important that we understand that when we open that door that is Jesus Christ, we come into the presence of the Good Shepherd and we start to recognize his voice. That when God speaks to us, we, as his children, listen. And it's no different. When you go outside and it's dinner time and you call your child, Hey, come home. Do the other kids come? No. Your kid comes. Why? Because he hears your voice. He recognizes it, And just like that, when we're a child of God, when God speaks to us, we hear. That's that's the good way. That's the way we should live. So we know from Colossians 1, 20 through 21, that God has made peace for us with the Father. Even though we've sinned, the blood of Jesus Christ covers that sin and makes peace with the Father so that we can live in God's wisdom and that we can find it and walk in his blessing. So the last piece of encouragement I want to leave us with is to really seek after God. And it says here, for I know the plans I have for you. This is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if we're looking for God this morning, what I would ask for us to do is to empty us of ourselves and really seek after him with all that we are. And when we do, scripture promises that we will find him. And when we find him, we will find those blessings and that favor that first start with eternal life because we've been blessed by the blood of Christ on his cross. Amen? Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you so much for your ways, and that your ways are not a mystery, Lord, but they're clear to us in your word. You tell us how to live and and to be good by you and and to, to please you and to satisfy you, Lord. And to have a, a, a blessed relationship with you, Lord. And so, Lord, we look at your word for all things. To trust in you. And we thank you so much for Jesus Christ and his great sacrifice. That through him, we can have an amazing relationship with you. Thank you so much for being our father, our daddy, and caring for us the way we do. Thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.